Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Um, and let me just say again, happy Thanksgiving. I, I forgot to mention that earlier. I hope everybody had a wonderful time and you didn't eat too much. But if you're like me, I ate way too much. Uh, at this time, I am so delighted to be able to introduce our speaker today, uh, who is here all the way from St. Louis. He pastors a church there. Twin Rivers Worship Center. He and his wife, Kayla. He has been uh, my best friend for many, many years. They have three beautiful children, Sawyer, Ellie, and Sydney, and they're doing an incredible job at this church in St. Louis. He is one of the best leaders and and an incredible communicator, which you're about uh, to, to get in on that. And we're just so delighted that they, they are here and, um, and, and able to speak to us today. What a powerful word that he has for us. And with all that being said, I'm so excited to introduce him. And I want you, if you would, if you would stand to your feet and let's give Pastor Joe Dobbins an incre- incredible hand as he comes to share the word of God today. Come on, let's lift up Jesus. He's the one that needs all our praise, isn't it? Come on, lift up. Give him the best you got. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, turn to, uh, turn to the person beside you as you sit down and say, it looks like you've lost weight. Just tell him, tell him. I know it's a lie. Tell him, tell him. Just tell him. I know it's a lie, especially this weekend. It's a lie, but tell him. Everybody loves to hear. Everybody's in a better mood now. Everybody's in a better mood. Hey, it's great to be with you. Um, this is this is just like being home. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I just you know, I'm from West Virginia. Um, what God brought us from uh, from here to to go get the rest of uh, St. Louis saved, and so it's just good to come back to these mountains and see so many friendly faces. And um, and this is home to us. Um, you know, I, I I was a part of of you know being a part of your journey really to to see when there were there were less people. In and like when, when I first came to Bethesda, there were less people in this, like there were more people in this section than were in the whole church. And today to see what God's doing is unbelievable. And um, come on, that's, I mean, absolutely. I'm just telling you, you better not treat this as common. This is one of the fastest growing, most vibrant churches in all of the all of America. And you better not treat this as common. This is special what God is doing here. And um, and I'm just so proud of you. And um, and, and let me say how um, how much I love your pastors, Pastor Chad and Karen. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about, and I just want to say this: um, one of the things that I love about them is just how they, they just make they're gonna they're not gonna let you stay where you are, and they're gonna pull you into God's calling for your life. And, um, and I just, I say this, I don't know that I've ever said this, but um, they gave me a chance before anybody gave me a chance. They, they, they sewed into me, they gave me platform, they gave me ability to try ideas and leadership uh, when we were here working on structures and systems and, and um, places to pre- and before anybody did. And, and, and so I just want to say, I wouldn't be where I am without you guys. And so I honor both of you, and I know everybody here feels the same way. Can you tell how much, tell your pastors how much we love them? Come on, just show them some love. Yeah, absolutely. Just love you guys. I wouldn't be where I am without you. Love their beautiful family. 
Hey, I want you to turn um, into Matthew chapter 20. Open your phone, open your Bible, open your neighbor's phone, whatever you got to do, get to Matthew chapter 20. And, um, and I want to talk to you today about something God's really placed in my heart. Um, you need to know your church is in a very vital, vital season. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy when God's doing so much good things to just kind of get, you know, just believe this way it's always going to be. But I'm, I'm just telling you, God's done some incredible things in the past, and he's doing some incredible things here in the future, and he wants to use you to do them. This whole thing isn't about Pastor Chad and Karen. It's not just about people that are on this platform. It's about you. God's using you to do something extraordinary in this city and in this region. But it's vital that you realize it's just not always going to be this way. you gotta, you got to fight for it. you gotta, got to war for it. you got to do some things that keep the move of God going in this area. And so today I, I want to talk to you what I think is the most vital thing you could do. And if I could just share one thing with you this year, it'd be this. If you want to continue to see God's hand on this house and on your house, you need to learn to pray bigger. Pray bigger. And so I want to talk to you today about praying bigger. And um, it's a lesson I learned at my house. Um, we, we do 21 days of prayer like, like this church does. Twice a year, we set aside 21 days to everybody to join together and pray. And I love that season. I love it for so many reasons, but I also love it for what it does for Kayla and I, my wife. She's just the most godly, gorgeous, amazing woman I've ever met. And, and I just love being kind of in this spiritual journey with her. And one of our favorite things to do is to take uh, during 21 days of prayer and share our prayer lists with one another. You know, we'll just pick out a few things we're asking God to do. And I love hearing it from her and I love sharing mine. And so we were in, in a season like that and it was the beginning of 21 days. And I, I said to Kayla, I said, hey, what are you praying for? What are you believing for? And she said, well, you know, I, I'm praying for, for a couple things. First of all, I'm praying this over my life. And she started to unpack some things that God's going to do in her heart and in her thinking. And then and then she said, and I'm also praying this over our kids. Um, we, we have three children, Sawyer, Ellie, and Sydney, seven, five, and three. And he said, I'm praying this for this one and this one, this one, and this for this one. And then, and then she said, oh, yeah. And the last thing is, she said, I'm, I, God just put on my heart that, that, that to pray that he would send someone to our church who would give our church $3 million. And, um, and I just want to be honest. I was kind of husband listening. You know what husband listening is? <laughs> It's kind of like where the ball game's on, and you're nodding, and you're, you're getting most of the essentials, um, but you're not your most attentive, you know? And, um, and when she said, I'm praying that someone gives our church $3 million, my head swung around, and I said, what? And, and, and she said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just praying that. She said, could you imagine what God could do um, through our church, through campuses and hope centers, if, if someone gave us $3 million? And being the incredible pastor that I am, without even hesitation, I started to explain to my wife how improbable that was. I started saying, but we don't got people got $3 million. We don't have people make that. I mean, what are you talking about? Ain't nobody I know write $3 million checks in our church. And, and, and just about the time that I was going to help her shrink wrap and bite size her prayers down, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I look forward to hearing why you think I can't answer her request. Now, let me just say, it is one thing to be on the bad side of your wife. It's another thing to be on the bad side of your wife and the Holy Spirit. But in that moment, it just revealed something about me that is true. I think about many of us, we just struggle to pray big prayers. I mean, think about your life. I want you to think. Think about all the prayers you've prayed this last week. Like, think about them. Think about all the prayers you prayed this last week. 
Now let's imagine the moment you prayed them, God said, poof, there it is. Like the minute you, you prayed it, it just happened. How different would your life be? Like some of you, be, you'd be like, well, you know, I, I'd have got rid of a headache. Some of you, I'd have made it through one more day with that boss I can't stand. Some of you made it to grandma's house safely, you know. <laughs> Food would have been blessed. Maybe for the most ambitious in the room, somebody would have won the lottery. And let me just say, hey, if you won the lottery, uh, we got online giving here at Bethesda, and I want you to be a part of that. <laughs> hey, 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 let me, let me ask you this. If God answered every prayer you prayed last week, would the people around you even notice? Because here's what I believe. I believe that some of us are praying such small, shrinking, bite-sized, mini prayers that if God answered every one of them, people around us wouldn't even notice it took place. And if that's true about your life like it was about mine, we've got to learn to pray bigger. And the best way to explore that is in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus has been on this ministry tour. He's been teaching. He's been feeding the 5,000. He's been healing. He's got, a, he got all kinds. He got more groupies than Justin Bieber. I mean, people are following him everywhere he goes. And he comes into this new town. And, and I want to read you a conversation that I find very interesting as Jesus enters this town. It says, as he enters, verse 30, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And verse 32 is so interesting to me. It says, Jesus stood and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. What do you want me to do for you? Now, now here's the thing. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I find it funny. But like, like, picture this. Jesus walks into a town and by the gate are two blind men. And so Jesus walks by two blind men and, and, and he gets a little further down the road from two blind men and all of a sudden two blind men start shouting out and the crowd kind of stops and everybody looks at two blind men. And then two blind men get to their feet and two blind men feel their way through the crowd up to Jesus where he's standing there and Jesus looks at two blind men and says, hey guys, what can I do for you? I mean, it's like, who's the blind one here, Jesus? It's, it's kind of obvious. I mean, what do you expect to be like? Hey, Jesus, we heard that you make a mean fish and chips. And we were just wondering, like a doggy bag from that? Or like, we heard you are a carpenter. And we wanted to quote on a deck. We're thinking cedar, but maybe composite. And I mean, what does he think they're going to say? They're two blind men. It's obvious. Why would you ask, what do you want me to do for you? See, I, I think the reason Jesus asked this is because he's curious about the size of their request. See, it's undoubtedly that at some point Jesus has stood before other blind men and he's asked a similar question, but he's received an answer that was, that, 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 that was smaller than what he was willing to give. See, at some point he stood by other blind men and said, what can I do for you? And they've said, Jesus, would you pray that we get a better place to beg? I mean, like if we could get on that corner, we could really do better. Jesus, would, would you pray someone, would you just put in someone's heart to come take care of blind people in this city? Jesus, Jesus, for the really big request, he said, Jesus, we, we're praying, would you have someone open a center for the blind in this city? And here, here's what Jesus realizes that, 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 that is happening and why he's asking this is Jesus has stood and asked this question and the answer that he has received back from people is not to be complete or whole or healed, but to just get the bare minimum from him. 
See, at some point, Jesus is asking, why, why do, what do you guys want me to do for you? Because he's heard blind men say, Jesus, we, we don't need to be, be, you know, to, to be blind anymore. We just want to be slightly better. Jesus, can you just improve this bad situation? Jesus, Jesus we don't want to need to be fully healed. Could you just help us function better in our dysfunction? And here's why this sticks out to me is because that's the way a lot of us pray. God, can you just help me make it through this week? God, just get me to Friday. God, you just, Lord Jesus, with these kids, if you'll just help me get them to graduation, they're yours then, God. They're all yours. God, will, will, you, just, will you just help me pay this bill this week? God, will you just help this prescription take away just this pain? God, will you just help me function better in my dysfunction? And so the reason that that, that that matters is because your prayers are a window into your theology. I mean, what you pray really reveals what you believe about God. I mean, for instance, for the person here today who never prays, it has to be only one of two reasons. You either don't believe there is a God or that he hears prayer. I mean, for the person here who only ever prays about themselves, God bless me, keep me, help me. The only person that prays like that, it has to be because you believe not only is Jesus a personal Savior, he's also a personal servant. And for a person who only prays small prayers, it has to be because you only believe God answers small prayers. See, it reveals so much about us. But their answer reveals a lot about them. Because people in that crowd would say, shh, just ask for, come on, just ask for some money and get out of the way. And they said, no, 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 no. When Jesus asks, what do I want from him? I'm going to ask big. I'm going to pray big. And here's what verse 33 says. It says, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. And in the Joe Dobbins International Version, here's what that means. Don't you pray another prayer that's small, broken down, many, or bite-sized. If this book says you can have it, you believe it, you receive it, you take it. If it says your marriage can be whole, then you pray and ask for him to completely whole, make whole your marriage. If it says your body can be healed from head to toe, then you believe it, you receive it, and you ask Ask big for it. If it says you can be debt free, then you walk in financial favor. If it says you can have life altering favor, then you have it over your life because if he says you can have it and you're willing to ask it, he's willing to give it. Here's what I've learned. The Bible says that, that we should come boldly before this throne of grace. You know what that tells me? God's not just listening to our prayers. He's also looking at the attitude we pray in. And here's what I've learned is I think sometimes God's bored with our prayers. I think sometimes we pray prayers and God says, that's it? That's all you want? Now, I don't know if that's theologically correct. And if it's not, Pastor Chad will fix it next week. But I think our prayers bore God. And here's why I think that. I think fathers love showing off for their children. Like, I've got got three kids, and I'm telling you, I just love it. Like, like one day we were home, and it was just me and Ellie, the middle child. And she is the classic middle child. Very, very rarely is Ellie alone. Very rarely does she get to pick just what she wants because we got the other two. And so one day, the other two, the oldest and the youngest, were with Kayla and they were gone. And it was just me and Ellie at home. And I wanted to make it special for Ellie. And so I, I, she's about four, year old, four years old at the time. And I, I just came to her. I said, hey, baby. I said, what do you want me to give you? What, just, just what do you want from daddy? I, I want to make today special. And here, I knew Ellie loved to watch TV. And she never gets to pick the show because her older brother always picks the show. And I knew she loves Mickey. And so I just said, baby, how about this? How about I turn on Mickey? You kick your feet back and you watch as much Mickey as you want today. How's that sound? Ellie looked at me without any hesitation. She goes, nah, why don't you take me to Disney World? 
Now, let, let, let me say, when she said that, it's like something on the inside of me leaped. I mean, and, and, and now what Ellie doesn't know is her mom and I, we've been saving to take them to Disney World. Because you got to save to take people to Disney World today. You're not just going to do that. And, but when she said, now why don't you take me to Disney World, I'm telling you, it was. I didn't care if I had to get a second job, third job, start an internet business. If my baby girl thinks that I can take her to Disney World, it leaps something on the inside of me that makes me want to open up anything that she wants to give it to her because I'm a father. And here's what Psalm says about your heavenly father. The Lord said to me, you are my son or daughter. Today I have become your father. And look at, look at the heart of this father. Only ask, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Only ask. Here's what that means. Stop asking for a $3 an hour raise when God wants to make you the manager of the whole place. Stop praying that you get a promotion when God wants to give you an idea that starts a product that changes your life. Stop praying your marriage makes it another week when God God wants to give you a model marriage that helps other marriages. Stop praying that the pain stops when he wants to make you whole from head to toe. Stop praying so small because God wants to do so big in your life. So, so, so here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. You can't go from praying small prayers to big prayers overnight. You need some training wheels. And so I'm going to give you three small prayers that you, we're going to pray together today. But then you can take them with you. And I want to challenge you to pray these small, I mean, they're small prayers. But these small prayers will have huge impact on your life. If you'll pray these small prayers over the next few days, you'll find yourself praying bigger prayers in the long run. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you these just small prayers, but they're going to make a big impact. So here, here's the first one. We're going to pray it together. And the first one is, God, increase my vision. Now, listen, I, I think we should just pray that right now. Come on, come on. I, and, and maybe this is not comfortable with you. Stretch out a little bit today. I, I just want you just open your mouth all together right now. Let's pray this. Sincere hearts. God, increase my vision. Increase my vision. Now, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament that you read, Paul saw some crazy stuff. I mean, Paul saw people healed. He saw miracles. Paul saw demons come out of people. Paul, I mean, Paul saw the dead raised to life. So if anybody sees God do some big stuff, it was Paul. And, and Paul was leading a church just like this one. And, and Paul sent, he was wrote, written a letter to his church, and he gave them a prayer, a prayer that he wanted them to pray frequently to increase their vision. And, and here's the prayer. You may have heard it before. It's Ephesians 3.20. Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or, or dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Now, now, why would Paul say, hey, I, I'm going to write this down. I want you guys to pray this. Paul was trying to increase their vision. L listen, here's what Paul knew. You'll never ask for more until you can see more. Listen. The problem with our prayers are we stare at the problem while praying to God. Like, like you, you're staring at your bank account and how little's in it, and you're hoping God does something about it. You're staring at a diagnosis, and you're hoping God can do something with it. You're staring at divorce papers and you're just hoping that God can somehow intervene. Let me just tell you, what Paul knew is what I'm trying to share with you. You're never going to have great faith to ask big while you're staring at the problem. You have to get your eyes off the problem and onto the problem solver, off what's wrong and onto who makes all things right. You can't be in faith while staring at your problem. 
And so, so Paul says, you, you, you got to increase your vision. Here's what Paul knew. God doesn't look at your problem like you look at your problem. And he said, you need to get rid of your eyes and start seeing it through God's eyes. Do you know God doesn't look at your problem the way you look at your problem? He doesn't see how, he doesn't see how it's the closed doors. He doesn't see how the season's ended. He sees how he reopened it. He sees how he rerouted it. He sees how he is going to come through. God sees it already solved and how he's using it in your life to bring him glory. He doesn't see it at all the way you see it. And so you got to just start with a small prayer saying, God, I need to see this the way you see this. It reminds me of a story. Um, there was an American golfer who, who, who um, you'd know his name as soon as I said it. As a matter of fact, he's pray, played at the Greenbrier several times. And um, one day he received an invitation from Saudi Arabia, from the royal family, to come and play golf for a week in the kingdom. And so he, he accepted the invitation, flew over to Saudi Arabia, spent one week with the royal family on the royal courses, stayed in the palace. I mean, an unbelievable experience. And um, as he was coming to the end of the week, I mean, the king had taken a liking to this, this golfer. And he said, he said to him, just about the time he was depart, he said through a translator, he said, um, I appreciate you coming to my kingdom. And, and, and as, a, as a token of appreciation, I would like to give you a gift. What would you have me give you? And of course, the golfer knew you'd just be polite. He said, your highness, um, you don't have to give me anything. I mean, to be here in your presence with your family in this palace is, is enough. And, and, and so you, you don't have to give me anything. But the king insisted, what would you have me give you? I want to give you a gift. So the golfer said, well, I have a vast collection of golf clubs. And, and I, I've collected them from all over the world. I would love for you to give me a golf club. If you would, you would if see fit to gift me a golf club. The king liked the suggestion and accepted. And so the golfer got on a plane and flew back home. And, you know, after a few weeks, you just start thinking about it. It's like, I'm going to be getting a, a gift from a king. It's going to be special. Like he starts thinking, I wonder if it's going to be like a gold golf club or maybe one with jewels on it or maybe be like an ancient artifact, like one from the earliest days of golf. And so he's thinking about it and a few more days passed and one day there's a knock on the door and he goes and answers and it's a courier and the, and the courier hands him a certified letter and he opens it up and quickly realizes it's from the king of Saudi Arabia. It's from his office and as he reads down through the letter, here's what he discovers is that the king has gifted him a 300 acre golf club. Some of y'all still got some tryptophan going on. You'll get it. Help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Um, listen to me. Kings see on a whole nother level than we do. And that's why the Bible says his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. God doesn't see your problem the way you see your problem. But you can't pray for him to solve that problem until you start seeing the marriage like he sees the marriage. Until he sees the addiction free the way that he sees it. Until he you sees your finances the way that he sees You need to say, God, increase my vision so I can see this the way you see it. And when you start seeing it the way God sees it, you'll start praying bigger. Here's, here's the second one. Second one is, God, decrease my doubt. Come on, let's pray that with sincerity right now. God, decrease my doubt. Jesus' brother James writes in his epistle, James 1.5, he says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives all generously, meaning God always gives more than we ask, and it will be given to him. And it says, But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And in verse 7 is very interesting. It says, that person, the doubter, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, here's what James is saying. 
We don't see great things because we don't pray big prayers, and we don't pray big prayers because we'd hate to admit it, but true, deep down in the dark places of our heart, we doubt God will answer big prayers. And if you're going to pray big prayers, you just got to be honest about the doubt in your life. You know, and, and, and over the years, what I've discovered is, is that a lot of people have built excuses around their doubt. They've said things like, well, I tried that one time and it didn't work out, and so I don't want to be disappointed again. And so they build up this flimsy little God who can't ever be asked big things. And then for some people, it's, you know, well, 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 well you know, I, I, I just, I'm not sure that's what God wants. And, I, and so, so we build out this, this theology like God doesn't want to heal you and God doesn't want your marriage to succeed and God doesn't want you to be blessed. And then my favorite is when people say, well, I, you know, I don't want to ask too big because if God doesn't do it, I, I, I don't want him to look bad. As if God needs you to protect his reputation. But what I found is at the core of it is we got some fear. And let me just tell you, there should be no fear in asking God to do extraordinary things. For no other reason than I bet most people in this room have seen God do extraordinary things. Like, like for instance, if you're here today and you have seen God do something unexplainable in your life or someone else's life, like something that only God could have done, would you just throw up your hand for just a second? Like how are we asking God to do big things, struggling to ask God to do big things when all of us have seen him do big things? See, the reality is, does just because I pray big, does it mean God gives me what I want? No. But here's what I've learned. If my faith is strong enough to ask him for something big, it's strong enough to get a no. And sometimes we're just not willing to ask God for something because we don't want to get a no. But here's what I've learned. When you pray big, it's a win-win. Because you either get what you want or you get what you need. And so you shouldn't refrain don't you worry about it. God's going to bring into your life exactly what you need. Some of us, we, it's like we live with fear of praying big, asking God to do something extraordinary. Like you're going to be in line at heaven, checking in, you know? And you're going, there are going to be more people there than you expected, you know? And so there's a long line. Many of them got Bethesda t-shirts on. You see all kinds of people, they're in line, they're checking in. And, and like God walks up, he sees you in line. He says, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. I'm, let me put my arm around it. Man, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. But I, I just need to, I need to be honest with you because I'm God. I'm kind of frustrated with you. And you say, well, what are you frustrated about, God? Well, here, here's the thing. Some of your prayers really put a lot of pressure on us up here. Like at some points, I had to take angels off other people to put them on you. Like one time I had to shut down and reroute power in other parts of heaven to get to your requests. And then that one big one you really asked for, I had to get off the throne and do it myself. And so I'm just a little frustrated. Like, you're just pretty greedy with your prayers. So I just, I just had to get off of my chest, go get back in line. Glad you're here. That's not what it's going to be like. If anything, it's going to be the opposite. Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. I'm so glad you're here, but I got a bone to pick with you. I wanted to do so much more than what you asked me to do. Like I got all these angels and all this power and I am firmly affixed on my throne. There is none beside me, none above me. There is all power, all authority in my hands. And there was so much more I wanted to do in your family and in that community and in your life. I just wish you would have asked more. I'm glad you're here. Go get back in line. 
I think that's what's more. And, and the reason I believe that, because the disciples one day come to Jesus and they ask Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, will you tell us about the power of prayer? And Jesus says, you want to know about prayer? You want to know how powerful prayer is? He said, here's how powerful prayer is. You see, you see and he looks, starts looking around for the biggest thing you can find. He said, you see that mountain? This is Matthew 21, 21. He says, you can say to that mountain, be picked up and tossed into the sea. And if you believe, you will see it happen. That's how powerful prayer is. If you believe, not if you understand. Here's what's happened to us in the church. We want to understand more than we want to believe. We want to see how it's all going to work out. We want to get all the details. We want to see how it all comes together. We want to see how God works and all that. We want to, and, and some of us, it's like we feel like, well, I, I, you know, I'm following Jesus. Like, I, I, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I got enough reward points on my heaven, you know, rewards card. Like, I, I shouldn't have to walk by faith anymore. I, sh- I should be able to kind of get the inside scoop, get an email, get a memo before anybody else. I get to see what happens. Let me just break the news to you. The longer you're in this thing, the more faith it's going to take, not the less. The more you want to see God do, the more faith you're going to get, less understanding. The bigger God does in your life, the more faith it's going to require, not not more understanding. Somehow along the way, we've become a people who want a faith that requires no faith. (laughs) And let me just say, if you're going to follow God, get comfortable today saying, I don't know. The problem at the core of it is we don't like not knowing. We want to know how it all works out. Just get comfortable saying, I don't know. Like as a pastor today, let me tell you, there's a whole lot that I've seen God do. I just don't know how he did it. I don't know. Like I don't know how God saved me. I don't know how something that happened 2,000 years ago on another side of the world uh, affects me so much that it's changed my life today and will change my eternity for I don't know how that happens. I don't know how God reached down when I was 16 years old and I had failing kidneys and I was going into surgery and they did one final scan and before the one final scan, after many, many scans that continue to show failing kidneys, I, the one final scan shows that God reached in, healed my body, and it's completely changed and I've never had I don't know how that happened. I don't know how God reached into a holler in West Virginia and pulls out an unknown broken boy and heals him and uses him to heal other lives in a city that's so far that I never, I don't know how, but what I've discovered is I don't have to know how, I just know who. And if I know who, I don't need a how. If I know who will heal my family, I don't need a how. If I know who will change my life, I don't need a how. Who's much more important than how? And so you don't need to know why. And that's why today you can pray, God, decrease my doubt because I don't need to know how, God. I just know who's going to do it. Now, let me give you the last one. And let me just say to you, this one's dangerous. Don't, don't pray this if you're not serious. This one's dangerous. This one is God do the supernatural. God do the supernatural. Let, let's pray it sincerely. Close your eyes. Say it full voice, full hearted, full faith right now. Come on, let's pray this. God do the supernatural. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. One day God comes to the prophet Isaiah and he says, Isaiah, I feel like doing something supernatural today. 
And here's what I'm thinking. I, I'm going to do roads in the wilderness. I'm going to make a way where there's been no way. And I'm going to do rivers in a desert. I'm going to make it flow in a place that's been dry. And, 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 and I, it's just amazing. God's so excited. You can hear it. I'm excited to do this, Isaiah. But here's the problem. Isaiah looks around and things don't look all that super. The people of God, including himself, are in captivity. They're abused and broken and hungry. And they're far from where God promised them they'd be. They're not seeing any provision. They're not seeing any protection. It don't look at all like what rivers and, and roads. It, it looks like stuck and dry. And I'm imagining that, that Isaiah just went, God, that's great. You know, it's good. But it don't look all that super around here. And I bring that up for this reason, because I think that some of you are here today and you say, Pastor Joe, that preach is so good. Man, that pray bigger. I love that. And I'm going to stick that in a file. But right now, I can't pray bigger because things are so bad. It, Pastor Joe, you know that, that, that you can't pray bigger when your marriage is like this. And Pastor Joe, when you're addicted, it's hard to pray bigger. And when you, when you, you don't have this and when you need that, Pastor Joe, things are so bad, it's hard to pray big. And I guess what Isaiah would say to you is this, things always look bad before God does something big. And um, that's the power of this verse. The power of this verse is not rivers in a desert or roadways in the wilderness. This is the power of the verse. God says, will it not spring forth? Will you not even be aware of it? I love that part of the verse. He said, it's gonna spring forth, Isaiah. L listen, you know what that means? It means just because you're not aware of what God's about to do doesn't mean he's not going to do it. See, our problem with the supernatural and miracles is we want miracles like we get an Amazon shipment. We want it with a tracking number. You want to pray and then God sends you an email and say, hey, it just left heaven and it's going to come through here and it's going to take a turn here and, and it'll sit there for a minute, but then it is on and by Tuesday you got that miracle. No problem. Let me just tell you, God says that's not how miracles work. Miracles don't work where you see them coming three miles down the road. And miracles, Isaiah, spring forth. They just, one day it's desert, and then the next day it's flowing. One day there's no way, and then the next day springs out, and there's a way. One day it's broken, and the next day springs out, it's healed. Isaiah, you may not be aware of it, but it springs forth. That's how I do the supernatural. And so here's what I'm saying to you. It always feels natural before God does the supernatural. You don't get to see it coming. You don't get to see it just, you know, you're not going to get the email. It springs forth. And, and I learned this in a First Wednesday service. How many people love First Wednesdays? Y'all come to First Wednesday, you love First If you're not coming to First Wednesdays, you, you are missing out. First Wednesdays are when, when you get in here and like at our church, you go after God. There's big faith, worship, deep word, and you're going to pray. I mean, God's going to do some stuff on First Wednesdays. Well, we were at a first Wednesday, and, um, and, and we always start ours with prayer. And so just five minutes before service started, there's some people gathered around the, the kind of the front, and they're about to pray. And I'm standing about right here, and I'm just praying over the service. And, and there, I see out of the corner of my eye a little lady who walks forward, and she's, I notice she's on a cane. Her mobility's quite impaired. She, she's kind of grimacing as she walks. She got this cane and she comes forward and she kneels down a few feet from me and she, she prays. And then as, as worship starts, we all head back to our seat and then I see her slowly head back to her seat. 
Well, the service goes on and worship is, I mean, it's exciting. It's passionate, just like it was here today. And then when I got to the message, it just wasn't working. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. As a pastor, sometimes you swing and miss. The sermon just doesn't connect. It's not where everybody is. It's just something doesn't add up. And, um, and in those moments, I've learned the most spiritual thing you can do is let people go home. Like, don't try to drag it out. Don't try. Sometimes the best thing, God, God just wants me to let people go. Just go. And we'll try it again next week. And that was one of these times it just wasn't working. And, um, and I'm going to let you in on my very dark and ugly heart. <laughs> now, Pastor Chad's not like this, but I, I, I was like this where I've, I feel a little pressure because I'm going, this is the first Wednesday. It's not going to be enough just to let people leave. Like, we got to have some prayer time. But what I'm preaching about ain't nobody going to come forward. I mean, it's dead. And, um, and so I'm thinking in my mind, what is one thing I can invite people to come forward for for prayer and, and, and they would actually come? And I thought, physical healing. Somebody in this room has got to be sick. And then I started praying. Somebody in the room was sick. That's how messed up I am. I'm like, God, let somebody in here have the flu in Jesus' name. You know, I mean, it's just that's how messed up I am. Because I'm just trying to have this service. And so I, I give it the invitation. If you need physical healing, please come forward and receive prayer. And our prayer team's here. And people come forward. And slowly out of my eye, I see that, that same lady on her, her cane. She slowly walks forward, receives prayer, slowly walks back to her seat, just holding on to that cane. And, and so um, I'm about to close the service. I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat. I'm thinking about what I'm going to watch. I'm just about to close the service. They're singing. And about the time that I do, some people are praying here. I see one of our prayer team members waving at me. And I look down, and beside her is this lady who's been on the cane. And on, on, on her face, it looks like we've thrown her a surprise birthday party. Like there's tears and excitement, and it's wild. And, and so um, they're still singing. I, so I walk down, and I just I come up to her, and I say, hey, 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 what's going on? And I notice that cane's not near her. And she says, Pastor, I have been healed. And I said, in this service, tonight, in here. And she said, Pastor, I, I said, what's going on? She said, I have this deteriorating spine issue. I've had it for years. And she said, you know, basically, I, I've had more surgeries. I've got more screws and plates in me than you. She, she said, I have to have that cane. And she said, so I, I came forward for prayer, and I went and sat back down. And she said, I was sitting there waiting for you to dismiss. And all of a sudden, it was like two hands of fire grabbed hold of my leg. And I just felt like this burn go up my leg. And she said, I heard the Holy Spirit say, stand up. You've been healed. And so she said, Pastor, I stood up. And she said, I've been in pain for 10 years. And she said, I stood up and there was no pain. Like no pain whatsoever. It's completely, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe it. I started moving. And she said, then it hit me, Pastor. She said, the reason I have that cane is because th this disorder, my left leg has grown several inches shorter than my right leg. And she said, if I don't have that cane, I'll topple over. And she said, it hit me all of a sudden. I'm standing here without that cane. And she said, Pastor, that's when I realized it. My left leg is now grown, and it is the exact same size as my right leg. Pastor, God did a miracle. And I watched that lady go up some stairs and around. I saw her this last Sunday. She's getting around better than I am. And I guess I'm just saying this. 
That service didn't feel supernatural, but it didn't mean God wasn't about to do the supernatural. And your life may not feel supernatural, but it doesn't mean God's not about to spring forth the supernatural. Just because your finances don't feel supernatural, that doesn't mean God's not about to spring forth something supernatural. Just because your marriage, it don't look supernatural, but He's about to spring it forth. And even though you're not aware of what He's about to do, you prayed big, He rules big, and you're about to see him do the extraordinary, the above, the most, the infinitely beyond, your highest dreams and prayers because you have a God who can answer big prayers. And so that's why we pray him because he can pray it. He can answer each one. And so if you're not standing, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray together. Here's what I want to do quickly. The Holy Spirit gave me a scripture for you. Not to preach on, just like for you to read it like reading a text message from God. So here it is. This is for you, every person in this room. I I don't even know a lot about this passage. I just know this verse. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what he's asking you. Is there any marriage so broken I can't heal it? Is there any body so messed up I can't restore it? Is there any addiction so gripping I can't unlock it? Any situation so gone (laughs) I can't resurrect it? Is there anything too hard for me? That's what the Holy Spirit has sent me from St. Louis to ask you today. So here's what I want to do. I want, I, I, I want to pray with you. Now listen, I ain't going to pray for you. You came today to get prayed for, it ain't going to happen. Come back next week. I'll pray with you though, because there's nothing more powerful than you opening your mouth, activating your faith, and asking God for something big in your life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And just, just trust me, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I, I, I really want you to not miss this moment. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and just, just open your hands as a, as a way to show you want to receive. I'm asking you to close your eyes because I, I don't want you to focus on the people around you. Now listen, but here's what's going to happen. I want you to get a request in your heart. I don't want you to start praying. I just want you to get a request. And, and be specific. Don't ask God to bless you. Don't ask God, will you be good to me? Don't, no, no, no. Specifically, what do you want him to do? What part of your heart do you want him to heal? What, 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 what do you need him to do in your job? What, what are you in your business? What, what is it in your body? Get specifically. Your finances, what is it? Okay, you got it? You got it? Everybody got it in their head? Okay. Now listen, times it by 10. You say, what, what do you mean? Don't ask God for a raise. Ask him to put you in leadership. Don't ask him for, for a promotion. Ask him to give you a product or a business plan. Don't, don't ask him for, oh God, will you just heal my knee? Ask him to heal your body from head to toe that you walk in divine health. Come on, don't let just ask him to pay one bill. Let's pray to be debt free. Whatever it is, times it by 10. And when I tell you, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to ask him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person's vision increases in the spirit. God, may every person be given a gift of faith right now. May they no longer see what's wrong. May they see the one who makes all things right. 
May they no longer be focused on what's lacking. May they see who provides. Lord Jesus, take their eyes off the diagnosis, off the bills, off the the papers, off the, the conversation. Take them off the problem and put it on you. Father, in this moment, I also bind the enemy and every lie he has told, every stronghold that has set itself up in pride against your will and against faith, may it be broken down. May every lie of the enemy be pulled out of their ears. The I can'ts and it won'ts and it can't happen and God won't and you're different. Pull that out in the name of Jesus and increase faith. And so, Lord, right now, we ask big. Come on, let's pray. Open your mouth, ask him. Lord Jesus, we ask him. Come on, I'm going to agree with you. Lord, I ask right now you'd heal cancer. Come on, ask him. Ask him. Don't be, come on, come on, ask him. Lord Jesus, we ask for cancer to be healed. We ask for heart disease to be healed. May God, a sweeping of your presence heal everybody from top to bottom. May it heal families. Lord Jesus, we ask marriages to be completely healed. Lord, that that, that are heading towards divorce, may they be turned and it be for your glory. Lord Jesus, we ask for kids that are in rebellion completely against their parents. May they, Lord Jesus, their hearts be turned to you and towards their mom and dad. Lord, we agree right now for financial miracles. God, debt-free, wisdom given, provision, supernatural provision. Lord, we ask for financial situations to turn around. I ask, Lord Jesus, for business plans and promotions. Lord, I ask for, for right now favors supernaturally to come on people that you could use them in the kingdom to do extraordinary things. Lord Jesus, we ask right now for addictions to be broken. Come on, ask Him. Lord, we ask for addictions of heroin and methamphetamines and a pornography. Lord, free people today that they never walk in it again in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that everything asked come into agreement and that we see it come to pass at their plan or even better, your plan. So we love you and we thank you that you're a God that receives and asks for big prayers. Amen, amen. Hey, li- listen, I want to pray one more. One more and then I got to go. Um, let's pray while we're at it. Let's just pray that God uses this church to start a revival that sweeps through this whole region. It goes up. What, what if, what if what God does here makes the whole state and then the nation turn to Jesus? Let's just pray that. Let's pray. Come on right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. May every knee bow and every tongue confess and willing hearts lift you up. May every family member and friend and co-worker of every person in this church come to know Jesus. May your name be lifted up higher in this community and in this church to where, Lord, a revival pours out of this building and the next building and sweeps through from the mayor's office to the courthouse, the schoolhouse, to their house. May it sweep through this state and may this nation come to know Jesus because of what you started and began in this church. Lord, we love you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Come on, let's lift him up like he's already done it for the miracles that were released, the supernatural that's taken place. God, we stand in expectation waiting for it to happen in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.